Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter, Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Please share the podcast. We always appreciate that. Um, Coming live from a... Well, not live. This is a recorded podcast, but... Coming from a different location, there could be... It's live for us. Live for us. <laughs> could be a bit echoey in here. Yeah, it's probably going to be a little echoey. This is not our typical studio. Yeah. It's not the DAC. No, we're not in the downstairs athletic club. So along the lines of things that aren't typical tonight, we're actually going to record two podcasts pretty much at once. Um, we have a feeling that all of the out of the uh, field, off the field extravaganza of info that has been gone. It, it, it's its own podcast at this yeah, point. Yeah, well, basically, it'll be a um, a 2020 wrap-up housekeeping episode. Winter cleaning. Deal. Yeah. Until something else breaks in the next 10 days, and we have yeah. to record another one. But right. um, So then off the top of my head, so as it appears right now, uh, there will be two bowl games on the 30th. Yep. So if those two bowl games go. We would obviously record a podcast until then, but we're pretty much now till uh, next fall, you know, hopefully everything's on schedule. We'll just kind of be recording podcasts when it's appropriate to record a podcast. Yeah, we'll do the the bowl preview, the bowl post view. Then we can do some wrap up, like season wrap up type of stuff. And then it'll Really, and we got recruiting too. Don't forget about that. Oh yeah, no, don't get me wrong. We got tons of stuff to get to in the off season, but I don't think we're going to have the Sunday and Wednesday night, Sunday or Thursday cadence. No, now it's not going anymore. to be probably close to once a week for a while, and then it's going to be you know a couple times a month. By the way, I don't know if you noticed, we had a health check, and I's a big health check on Twitter today to see if we were okay. Okay, because we we didn't drop an episode oh, on Sunday, yeah. so yeah, that's I'm, nice. I let everyone know we're, everything's fine. We're fine. Just a little day, just one day late here. You know? The delay was was me. Uh, I was traveling back uh, after seeing my family and uh, also my kid's birthday. There was a lot of things that happened to stack up against the podcast, and therefore the people people's listenership. So I apologize. So with that being said, should we get right into the games? Yes, sir. All right, so we wound up having four games this weekend. We already knew there was two games canceled when we recorded the podcast. Then an extra game was canceled. Even though we waited until Thursday to record, we still didn't wait long enough as the Maryland and Michigan State game was canceled. Probably for the most part where they're just like, eh, I don't really want to play this game. Uh, You know, once it gets canceled twice, I think that's a sign, right? (laughs) Probably a little bit. So we still got four games to talk about. A lot of exciting football, so we'll get right into it. First game was Friday the 18th, Nebraska 28, Rutgers 21. The Huskers with 620 yards of total offense to the Scarlet Knights, 252 more than doubled up the Scarlet Knights on Friday night. The line was Huskers by 6.5. So obviously, when you have... More than 300 yards of total offense, you easily cover that six and a half point spread, right? No, half a point spread cover by Nebraska. Uh, 54 point over and under, so they were quite a bit under that. Go ahead. Man, I'm, I'm laughing over here. I don't know if it, uh, the listeners can hear it because if you just look at the stat sheet, this is an absolute dominating performance, except for you look at the penalties 
you look at turnovers and you look at the fact that they gave up a touchdown on a kickoff. Yeah. That so I was talking to some Husker fans over the weekend and saying that was encouraging and discouraging at the same time somehow. And did they pretty much agree with yeah. you on that? Oh okay. yeah, All absolutely. Right. Um because like I saw a debate, I don't remember who it was from. I didn't really get into the middle of it, but basically it was well, did Nebraska dominate Rutgers or not? Like it's it's, it's hard to say, <laughs> really. Because okay, you got you got Adrian Martinez who has four turnovers by himself, right? And then we've been talking about special teams, the whole Scott Froster. We've been talking about penalties, the whole Scott Froster. It, if you clean those things up, this would have been like a you know a forty-two to fourteen game. Correct, one hundred percent. I mean, three hundred and sixty-five yards of rushing for Nebraska. Every time I looked up, either Dedrick Mills or Adrian Martinez was just running. And sometimes there was not a Rutgers player within eight to 10 yards of these guys. You know, <laughs> we're getting going. I want to comment on this. So Rutgers did have a number of guys out on defense, like a, not a number. They had a, Mike Dwumfor was out. I think Brendan White was out. Tyshawn Fogg was out. So a, a couple of big playmakers, but I feel like they have enough players on defense to be much better than they played. Okay. I mean, even, even overall the whole season, I mean, I, I kind of like their defensive line, but yeah. I, I, I love their linebackers. Individually, their defensive backs are all good. I was, I'm disappointed with them by, from their defensive performance this year. That's fair. Um, you know, I, boiling what you already talked about, the Nebraska season into this game, you could maybe boil it down even a little bit more and look at Adrian Martinez. So Adrian Martinez had 412 yards of total offense, right? Obviously, that's that's you know roughly two-thirds of the total offense in this game was accounted to Adrian Martinez. But at the same time, two fumbles, two picks. Yep. Picks happen. You, you can't be aggressive in the passing game and not throw a pick every now and then. We've been saying the fumbles have got to stop with Adrian Martinez for a year a, and a, a half. Third now. one on the carpet, maybe that wasn't recovered by right. the defense. So. Right, but that's my point. It's it's Nebraska giveth and Nebraska taketh. Adrian Martinez yeah. giveth and Adrian Martinez taketh. Nothing's going to get figured out now, right? We're into the off season. They've already declared they they don't want to play in a bowl. So, yeah. I mean, this it, it's going to be the same conundrum wrapped in a riddle going into the off season than it was kind of coming into the season in the middle of the season. Along with that, another kind of conundrum is Diedrich Mills. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about him. Uh, 191 yards rushing by Diedrich Mills. Now you've got to give a little bit of, of understanding to Scott Frost and the coaching staff. Mills was hurt for a good chunk of, of the year. So that's definitely played into it. But when you're in your third season as the coach, I mean, you know, we always talk about uh, Glenn Mason always says you got to have a pair and a spare yeah. to get through a Big Ten season. Maybe you're not up to pair and a spare level by your third year, but you should have a pair. And it seemed yeah. like this year, no Diedrich Mills, no running a game, running sure. attack by the running backs. But I'll go a little, I'll go a step further than that. When Mills was there, they just forget about him. It seems like at times. I mean, that's to me that that is their offense, like running up the middle with the running back. When they when they dedicate themselves to that, they gain yards in huge chunks. And with all of that being said, right? I saw a stat. I believe Nebraska finished second in the Big Ten in rushing 
this year. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. I know. And it's like, is, but yet, do you feel like Nebraska is a good rushing attack team? I mean, not when Mills is not in, no. I mean, I mean not, not really. Right, but they got that many yards rushing. I mean, it was almost exclusively from their quarterback. Right. Again, it's it's just, I don't have the answers here for Nebraska fans. It all is a part of the conundrum wrapped in a riddle. So they really wore the Rutgers defense down, but I felt like it took longer than it should have Correct. to do that. You should have busted that game open midway through the third quarter. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it was really... Yeah, it was into the fourth quarter before, like, okay, now they, they're Rutgers so gassed come back, now, yeah. and they cannot stop anything. Yep. But I felt like that could have happened just earlier in the game. Another thing to shout out here is to the Nebraska defense. I mean, Rutgers, yeah. Rutgers defense has struggled quite a bit. Like you said, it should be better than it is. Uh, Rutgers offense has had some bright spots this year. You know, they've put up some points. They've moved the ball. Yeah. Maybe to a certain degree – some of that caught up with them, but honestly, I think Nebraska's defense had a lot to do with the fact that Rutgers could not move the ball. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I wanted to point out all weekend long, we had just tremendous punting porn. So you had yes. Adrian Martinez with the one that got down at Amazing the one. Amazing yard fight. line. Amazing fight. Corsak just put on an absolute show. Yeah, he was dropping. He was dropping sand wedges all game. He man. was. And then uh, we got to point out Christian Isian with the the four turnovers. Yeah. Two, yes. Two yes. interceptions and two fumbles re- recovered by Christian Isian. Did we game. see any stats about that being some sort of? Record like yeah, I don't know. I didn't see anything to be honest with you. Yeah, we but, should look into that. But I especially mean, when you split it up, two fumbles and two picks. Right, four Insane. four tos caused number by zero. Right, he was number zero. Yeah, everywhere. Agent yeah. zero. That was incredible. I wish there was more to talk about for Rutgers. That's it. That that was the effort. Their punter and one player on defense that single handedly <laughs> kept them in. But seriously, I mean, go down true. the stat sheet. Go down the stat sheet. Okay, nothing. Yeah, nothing. Well, let's let's go down the stat sheet. First downs twenty seven to nine. Oof. Third down efficiency seven of thirteen to two of thirteen yards. You already mentioned six hundred twenty to two fifty two. Unbelievable passing two fifty five to one twenty two. So they double them up there. Uh, let's see. Um, possession. Uh, I mean, it's almost t- 40 time of to possession 20. forty to twenty, basically. <laughs> Three hundred sixty-five yards rushing to one thirty. Um, and but then you just the the big one that stands out is the four tos versus one. The, the, they were they were negative three in turnovers, and it just killed them. But in the end, something tells me there'll be enough in this game that GBR Nation will be able to start latching on to. It's usually about May or June, definitely by July. They'll talk about the the, the improvement on the offensive line, which was there. Yep. The rushing attack, which it's kind of to a certain degree hard to deny. The improvement on the defense, that was there. The improvement on the special teams, all that stuff Mostly, was there. yes. All but, that stuff was there. But you still gave up that long one to Crookshank, which, by the way, that guy is an absolute burner. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. And... And but these are things you can correct. You can correct special teams. You can correct the penalties. Turnovers maybe that's a little tougher from the quarterback position. But I tell you one thing: you better clean up the penalties. Otherwise, there's going to be even more Nebraska fans are going to start losing their patience with this coaching staff. Yeah. With the win, Nebraska finishes three and five on the year. Rutgers finishes three and six. And at the nine games, that means they're one of only two teams that got to play all nine games this year. And actually, we should point out that Noah Vedrill, the former 
Husker did not play in this game, sadly. Yep. Yep. Although Travis Vokalek did. So it was not the Vokalek Vedral Bowl that I wanted it to be, unfortunately. But that brings me to another point. The tight ends, is they have a great tight end room in Lincoln. Yeah. Three really good ones this sure. year. And, and good future there, too. All right. That brings us to our next game, the battle for the Axe. Wisconsin 20, Minnesota 17. Total yards, 322 for the Badgers. 326 for the Gophers. This was a 12-point line for the Badgers, so Minnesota easily covered that. I like the under in this game. The under hit easily, which was 47.5. You go up and down this stat line here. I love it. It is like it's a mirror of the stat line. And not only is it a mirror, it's like your good old-fashioned Big Ten slobber knocker. That's what this game was. I thought this was a very fun game to watch from start to finish. Um I, I don't know. I found myself still nervous within a half hour before the game that it was just going to get played. Yeah. I'm not a Minnesota fan. I'm not a Wisconsin fan, but I'm a college football fan. I'm a Big Ten fan. You got to have the axe getting played. They played the consecutive uh, you know, streak of the game being played before the game. It, it warmed the cockles of my heart. I'm so glad this game was played. Yep. Uh, was it 130 times now? I'm you not would sure. think I would know that number. Since I think it's it 130, <laughs> but... I don't remember how many in a row. No, if it's not all 130 in a row, but at least they there was one break okay. about eight years into it or something like that. Okay. Like, yep. But they're, they're doing good with the streak as well. Um, you know, like I wrote down, so 20 to 17 was the score of this game. I feel like if you played this game 10 times, 20 to 17 might be the score every single time, except you would have five wins for Minnesota and five wins for Wisconsin. On this day, you went into overtime 17-17. Wisconsin kicked the field goal to win the game. Yeah, very evenly matched game here. At one point, I tweeted out when Minnesota was up 7 to nothing. I said, and this, of course, is pretty early in the game, like, I just don't think Wisconsin has the offense to come back from that deficit. And literally the next play, Groshek broke it for that long run for the touchdown to tie it up. Here, here's another stat line that's just mirror image. Garrett Groshek, leading rusher for Wisconsin, 154 yards. Mo Ibrahim, leading rusher for Minnesota, 151 yards. Well, in 24 carries to 26. Okay, they, they had the same number of first downs at 18. They were both 4 of 12 and third down. 326 yards to 322, 180 to 147 passing, 146 to 175 rushing. I mean, it, I don't know if I've ever seen a stat line this even for two both teams. Both won turnovers, both almost 30 minutes of possession. I mean, this is crazy. It was, I've never, I'd say I've never seen a stat line that close to no. two teams. And so both four or 12 third down efficiency. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it's hilarious. So unfortunately for Minnesota, special teams just bit him again. Correct. And it's not their fault. Like the... They've struggled on special teams because of the coronavirus all season. They've just had so I, many guys out. Okay. I'm, I'm, not gonna di- I'm not going to disagree. I'm not going to disagree that they've struggled this year because of the Rona. There's third string kickers when they missed it. They're, they've struggled with special teams pretty much since PJ's been in town and maybe before that. Like it, It's been something that's caught uh, Gopher fans' ire for quite some time. Yes, even more so this year. And this was yet another game where it reared its ugly head. And when the stat line is that close to one another, what is the difference in the game? It's special it's teams. Special teams right. And that's that's was the difference in this game. But you got to feel bad. I mean, it's, they're trotting out the third string kicker. Yep. Ask him to win the game. I know. It's tough. Um, 
Tanner Morgan, you know, a pretty good. He had a nice punt too. He did have a nice punt. There was there was punt, there was punting all over the place. Um, uh, Tanner Morgan, thirteen of twenty five, hundred and sixty yards. On the other side, Graham Mertz, twelve of twenty, hundred and thirty two yards. Now. Mertz, no touchdown, no picks, uh, whereas Tanner Morgan had two touchdowns and a pick. So the the uh, uh, touchdowns for Wisconsin came on the ground. Touchdowns for Minnesota came through the air. A little bit of difference there. You know, there's there was just – there was nobody on, bo- on both sides of the field. Nobody really stood out. It was just an evenly matched game. Um, I had a lot of Minnesota fans DMing me or a couple tweeting – you know, we've got obviously buddies up here that are Gopher fans. They were extremely disappointed. Like this loss stung. I get it. Like anytime you lose a rivalry game, I just go back to what I started in the podcast. I I don't know if this would make sense. I know it would to me. I would rather have played this game and lost it than to not have played this. Oh all. yeah. Okay. And especially it was I a didn't... good game. It was a competitive game. You had your chance at the end. You just didn't take advantage of it. Um, Garrett Wolf got in there a yep. little bit to yep. to play some quarterback, scored a touchdown. That was good to see. And yeah, back to Tanner Morgan. His pooch punt also went down to the one yard. Though. I know. It's insane. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't what? know. There's. I don't know what to take away other than, um, you know, both teams started out rough. But at the end of the year, I think it's fair to say, I, okay, a little bit tougher with Wisconsin. Wisconsin played their best football at the beginning of the year when they were 2-0. and Yeah. But then they, they took a, a crazy nosedive. They pulled themselves back out of it, and they deserve a lot of credit for sure. that. Minnesota started off the year getting bombed by Michigan. I mean, they they were looking horrible. Ugh. You know, almost get blanked by Iowa. There was a lot of bad stuff on there. They deserve credit for and pulling themselves out of I'm not sure they had a good defense by the end, but they improved as the year went on. Definitely improved yep. as the year went on. So both teams can't finish off high here because obviously only one team can win the game. But I think both te- uh, programs and fans have enough to be proud. Uh, Wisconsin also pulls to 500 on the year, so they finish at 3-3. Three and three. Minnesota, with the win, would have, won- would have wound up with a winning record, which would have been crazy. With the loss, they wow. dropped to 3-4. and four. So Mo... Ibrahim, yeah, eighth straight 100-yard game that sets a program record, I believe. And Garrett Groshek for 154 yards—that was his all-time high. Um, that makes sense. There you go. All right, all right. Next game, we move into Penn State 56, Illinois 21. Penn State with a robust 580 yards of total offense to the Illini's 273. As it turns out. Nittany Lions being being favored by 15 and a half was probably one of the easier lines of the week that we should have seen. Over under 52, yeah, Penn State went ahead and got there by themselves. So if you had the over in Penn State, you enjoyed the last uh, Big Ten football game of the season quite well. Yeah, and I would say that Penn State probably at this point is looking like the team that we thought they were going to be. You know, Still not more up more. to that level, but well, they... it, it did look a little ugly early. And let's give Illinois credit. Like we we did say, interim coaches in their in their one game, there's usually a little bit of juice there, and there was. Like they Illinois took it to them early. I I was actually I couldn't believe it. I was having fun. I thought, is this what it's supposed to feel like? This is fun. But then, boy, that it flipped really quick there. And I think that comes down to coaching is one thing. The Illini had a lot of guys out. They they only traveled with 18 defenders, 18 scholarship the scholarship 
defenders in this game. Oh, wow. Yeah. That makes a little bit more sense. And they were playing a lot of walk-ons. So, I mean, what that tells you is um, uh, depth uh, just it wore down because that's exactly what it was on the field. Like you said, this was a close game to start out with. Then adjustments and depth catches up with you. You said uh, Illinois brought the juice. They also brought Juice 2.0. He had 220 yards of total offense, two touchdowns in the game. So I think Juice showed enough, again, for Illini fans to be excited about. Um, obviously, we'll get more into that in the next pod. But Yeah, I was pretty excited about it. I mean, they came out you know, really looking good early, but then Penn State just turned on the defense and, and started really shutting Juice and the whole offense down for Illinois. Yep. So once that happened, I mean, he – he was pretty quiet after, let's say, midway through the second Correct. quarter, and they eventually brought in Peters back into the game, and he, he was ineffective as well. So credit to the Penn State defense. More credit should go to uh, Penn State wide receiver John Dotson. I Oof. mean, who has had a better second half of the season, not only yeah. in the Big Ten, but in the entire country than uh, Dotson? Uh, Six catches, 189 yards, and two touchdowns. He just kind of went off. And don't forget the punt return touchdown as well. (laughs) Correct. He was all over the field. Uh, And because of that, Sean Clifford wound up just short of 300 yards of total offense. Both of his two touchdowns that he threw went to Dotson. Um, Another thing that uh, uh, Sean Clifford didn't do is turn the ball over. Um, It's amazing what happens when you don't do that, right? I mean... What woulda, coulda, shoulda with Penn State. I mean, you you still see the talent there. Not only do you play, do you pull the studs off the roster and off the field to play for Penn State. I do think this was a team that got hurt by distractions as much, if not more, than anybody because of the coaching staff. I think it hurts. You, you know, their I mean, their head coaches flat out said not being able to be around his family and and. The stress that's caught—I mean, it, it had definitely threw them out. But just when they just had a semblance of some of that stuff coming together, they turned this, it around quick. Man, this wound up being a good-looking football team. Absolutely. Um, one, of, one of the things I noticed, boy, you know, we're not used to playing this deep into the year. The footing was terrible in this game. True, the guys were just sliding all over the place. I don't yeah. think—I don't think the ground crew knows how to take care of the field this late into the season. That's a good point. I mean, there might be a little bit different stuff that you don't even know about when it's this late. It was a little frustrating, but Sean Clifford, 16 to 22 for 285. Boy, talk about a get right game. Yeah. How do you get right? Play the Illinois defense with only 18 scholarship players at home. Yeah. That's that seems to do the trick. Great game for Sean Clifford. Um, another uh, person to get excited about, Kevon Lee, uh, Penn State freshman running back, uh, 85 yards and a touchdown. They built depth in the running back room, I think, a little bit by the end of the year. I don't know how many Penn State fans are listening to this podcast because I think they they got pretty frustrated at some point in the year. With that being said, as as bad as things start, I mean, to start 0-4, or uh, excuse me, 0-5, but to finish 4-5, I, I get I you got to give a little bit of credit to the coaching staff no and doubt. the players for – for just, I mean, they could have just got the one win, which would have been against Michigan, and just, you know, shit the bed the rest of the year. Nobody would have thought anything different, but they didn't. They kept fighting back, and I, I'm pretty proud of Penn State for doing that. And after the first quarter, it, the defense was just absolutely dominating. Yeah. I mean, it's been a good defense all year long. Yeah, it really has. So Isaiah Williams, I want to talk about him a little bit because he was 8 of 18 passing the ball. Boy, if he could be like 11 of 18. Yep. And just – 
like open that'll open up the running game a little bit. That's what I want him to get to. It's like that 55 to 60% completion. If he could be in that range, oh man. And we don't know if he can get there yet because I mean, every young quarterback struggles. You need reps, especially a yeah. guy like that who probably had way more ability in high school. Any all-star games, he I mean, he obviously could just tuck it and run anytime he wanted yes. to. It's just, it is tough to, to develop as a passer when you're that good of That's an true. athlete. Um, if he has the chance, you know, with changes coming to be able to work on that a little bit more, he'd be kind of a scary athlete uh, for other teams to face, if hey, I don't mind saying. Hey, one great thing about the Illini with the interim coaching staff, one penalty. How about that? Good stuff. Way to go, Illini. <laughs> Who knows? It's a little late, but way to go. <laughs> With the win, Penn State finishes 4-5, and five, the other team that got to play the entire nine-game schedule this year. With the loss, Illinois finishes 2-6. and six. All right, that gets us to the... Ohio State 22, Northwestern 10. Of course, this was the... Big Ten Championship in Indianapolis. The Buckeyes with 513 yards of total offense to the Wildcats, 329. Most lines had the Buckeyes by, it was it got down to in some spots, 18 and a half. Did it. Uh, 19 points. If you were in earlier, right around uh, 21, the over-under 57 and a half. So this went way under uh, the, the over-under. And Ohio State had a chance to score a touchdown at the end, which would have been a dagger uh, uh, defeat or a great cover yep. win. Just did not kind of punch it in, so it winds up being a, actually somewhat pretty easy uh, cover by the Wildcats. Um, first thing I want to start out by saying is, because I think let's start a little bit more on Northwestern sure, and finish on Ohio State, because that'll kind of bring us right into the next podcast. Is that fair to say we can do it like that? Okay. Not to, not to, you know, rub salt in the wound for Northwestern fans, but this was still a football game deep into the second half. Hey, they, they came with the right formula. They did. And I, the point I'm trying to make is this was a, this was a, a, still anybody's game deep into the game. Yeah. And I can't even say Northwestern played that well. Well, no, I mean, three turnovers. We, we, we talk about, Peyton Ramsey, if there's any Achilles heel that he has, he has a propensity to turn the ball over too much. And it's, I mean, when you're playing a a team like Ohio State, you've got to do everything right. You've got to cause them to turn the ball over, and you can't turn it over yourself. you got to play clean with penalties. You can't make any errors. And they didn't do that. I mean, they did a lot of things right, but turning the ball over killed them in this game. I mean, this game was a... A bit of a conundrum wrapped in a riddle, too, because everything you just said, I totally agree with that. However, Northwestern, if they really didn't, uh, I mean, I guess they did force two turnovers, okay? Um, I think they would have been in the game if they just played their game and played it well. So an example I would give is, um, you know, they came right out against Iowa, turned the ball over, spotted Iowa 17 points. Yeah. The rest of the game, they didn't play amazing. They just played really good. Right. If that really good Northwestern would have played the entire game, Peyton Ramsey not turning the ball over, it might have been enough. Okay, so besides not turning the ball over, obviously they gave up a ton of rushing yards, but that's to 
you know that that's that's where we're gonna get into the conundrum because I mean we just talk about it now. But so that's the other part that you're talking about is just giving up the tremendous amount of rushing yards. By the way, knocks Eddie George out of the top slot all time at Ohio State. Do you know who he did that against? Do not Illinois nineteen okay, ninety five. So I was glad to see that one get erased from <laughs> the record fantastic. book. Um, yeah, we didn't do you know weekly Eisman. Uh, Dotson would have been definitely a contestant. I think we know who the the Eisman of the week. Trey here Sermon, is. but Trey I was, Sermon. But honorable mention to Christian Isian for sure. Absolutely, Four turnovers. You got to at least mention that. That would that have guy. to be a co maybe this week. One offense, one defense. But okay, this is I think. I think a lot of fans, I don't mean to sound big time here, but you know, I, I I had the chance to be in the locker room listening to the game plan being put together several times in college, okay? I think most fans would be surprised to know just how simple it is sometimes. Yeah. Okay. And I I mean you can't get too complicated. Here's what the defense so what do you say, coach? Let's run the ball. Okay, we're on the ball. <laughs> That's sometimes it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> or we're gonna stop the run. In this case, Northwestern just said, we're dropping eight yeah, all the time. We're doing it all game long. Let's get Justin Fields frustrated. Oh, okay. and they did that. Okay. Let's see if Ryan Day actually starts running the ball. Okay, I like that because what we've seen from him, he can be a little stubborn. Bingo. Is he so stubborn that he... He has to throw the ball and try to beat us by 30 points, or will he just accept winning the the ball game by running the ball? Could not have said it better myself. And it is a that was a genius game plan by Pat Fitzgerald. As always, I would expect nothing less. But like we were wrong, okay? Or maybe specifically I was wrong. I think I brought it up. You might agree with me. I can't remember, but I said blitz, blitz, blitz. Get Justin Fields uncomfortable. Yep. They, they did not do that by and large, like I said. But they did get to him at the same time. Sometimes. Early, not, early in the game, they got to him. I'm not saying there was no dialed-up blitzes. I'm just saying they dropped back in coverage a lot yep. and basically said, we are going to play an extremely disciplined, go-figure, zone. You are going to have to find these, buck, these holes in the zone to hit, or you're going to get frustrated and make mistakes. And they did. And it by works. the way— Brandon Joseph, freshman, just had an outstanding season. A couple interceptions in this game. He replaced Travis Willick in the lineup when Travis opted out of the season. We thought that would be a, a weak spot for them. Right. No, no, that was yeah. a strength for them. He had, what was it then? He had seven interceptions this year. So there's a ton in here to be really proud about for Northwestern. So now I'm going to try to meld this together and flip to Ohio State. Okay. Northwestern. Gave Ohio State fits because Northwestern is good. They are excellent yeah. on defense. Yes, they are they are limited on offense. They made mistakes on offense. Sometimes when a team's DNA and they know it is that much wrapped in one side of the ball, in this case the defense, the whole team kind of soaks up in it. Yeah. I and I don't know if I'm doing a very good job explaining this, but because of that, partly the offense isn't quite as good because it doesn't feel like it it needs to be. Yeah. And and it, but that doesn't mean the whole team is bad. That's right. how good the defense is. That's how well prepared they were. And here's my problem with that: is the national media and the stupid committee 
they're going to look at this and say, oh, they only beat Northwestern by 12. Correct. How is that? They're not very good because they only beat Northwestern, the fighting Reese Davises, by 12 points. And it's disrespectful to Northwestern. It is. Obviously. It's disrespectful to the Big Ten. And it's disrespectful to Ohio State. Because, okay, Ryan Day probably, he probably learned something here, which is, if they're giving me the run, I should probably take it earlier. Yeah. Because... Had they switched well, to the rushing attack yeah. that they did in the second half, how funny oh, is Lord. it when, when Gus Johnson, when Trey Sermon broke a, a big run, I'm pretty sure it was Trey Sermon. And, I don't know uh, who else it would have been. Right, and Gus Johnson went, run the ball! And he meant it as, <laughs> why haven't you been running the ball well, the whole game? I think a lot of Ohio State fans probably would agree. So that's what I, like if, if they could do it over, because we were talking about Ryan Day's stubbornness. Would he just see them dropping eight and just run the damn ball? Like, yes. If he started over, would he just start doing it from play one of possession one? 100%. I think so. I mean, if Northwestern was in this, you know, quasi different world we have where the game is replayed, yes. Because they ran for 400 yards. What if they said, okay, I mean, let's just run for 500 and let's see if that impresses the committee against I mean, a you great wanna, defense. You want to talk about a uh, difference in uh, rushing, rushing averages um uh, uh Ohio State had I mean I wish I could just call it 400 at 399 yards rushing a 9.1 yard average Northwestern had a 3.1 yard average which almost the, tripled them up on the average right, carry but for them against a good front of Ohio State that's not bad because they don't have a great rushing attack Northwestern does right so Correct. I, that's not that's would, not that bad I wouldn't have expected it to be much better than no that. no I agree but 9.1 dear lord I mean, by the end of the game, it was obvious who the best team was. Yeah. But, but this is, you know, it's just, this is a good team. You know, Northwestern is a good team. Ohio State had to beat a good team. Ohio State, unfortunately, got drugged down into the phone booth and they got knocked up a little bit because Northwestern is amazing at doing that. Give some damn respect to Pat Fitzgerald. If he's done this, I don't know. 80 times to 40 different teams, at some point, can't we sit and say, it's coaching, and he's good at doing that. Yes, even the mighty Alabamas and you know other teams of the world would also probably be drugged down into yeah. the same phone booth with this type of coaching staff and approach because they're that good at it. So I was getting a lot of crap for picking Northwestern to win this game, and, oh. and you know, it's just kind of like, well, heck, have you ever watched them play? Have you ever actually watched Northwestern? And then, you know, when they're winning the game, everyone's so shocked. And, like, people like me and you that have been watching this happen for 15 years, we're like, we're not shocked at this. Yeah, I mean, I liked uh, Northwestern and the points. I The the play that I actually went with is is because of you. I, I And I don't I, – this will sound like I'm, I'm uh, blaming this on you. I didn't mean it like that. But I wound up putting 50 bucks on the money line. On, yeah. North, on Northwestern. Why? Because it paid out. Oh, you out, did put it in? Oh, I did. Because okay. it paid out $850. <laughs> I mean, that's and a good value. Why not put Absolutely it in? amazing value. Um, And midway through the second quarter, I was like, I'm going to win $850. Bucks. This is insane. Now, it didn't hit, of course. But just the fact that, and by the way, I was still cheering for Ohio State. <laughs> I, I Were know you? That. Yeah, I was. Um, I wanted just to be right. Picking Northwestern. I understand. So, I understand. It, it pains me to say this, but I was actually pulling for Northwestern. Okay. Um, hey, by the way, one of the keys to this game, I said ahead of time, was 
they, they're going to get their yards, stop them in the red zone and make them kick. We and did. They we did that. We talked about that in the podcast. In the first half. We talked about it. that was the one thing that, you know, we were kind of about halfway there of breaking down what Northwestern should do, which is force Ohio State into red zone situations and hold them, which we called on the podcast. We thought we would get there by blitzing North with you know, yeah. Northwestern would get there by blitzing. They got, you know, there by dropping back in coverage. Um, go ahead. Well, I was going to bring up just the cornerbacks from Northwestern. So impressive. My goodness. Both of them. And unfortunately, Newsom got knocked out of the yeah. game towards the end there. Yeah. So they took a little step back there. But whew, they're they're good in pass against the pads. They're good in run support. They are fantastic. That was one. Uh, to me, yes, their linebackers are great. Yes, they always have a good defensive line. Brandon Joseph. I feel like that was the key to their defense this year is how good their cornerbacks played. I agree. Uh, speaking of how good players played, you got to give Ohio State some credit with so many players out in this game. Sure. The part of the offense that typically gets hurt the most when that happened is when you have receivers out because the timing's all sure. off. That definitely played into what happened here, too. No doubt. All right, now let's continue this on to the next podcast, but we'll wrap this up here and say Ohio State finishes 6-0, and remember that number, and wins the Big Ten. Northwestern finishes 6-2, and falls short, but wins the Big Ten West title. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This is the Eyes on Big Podcast. Talk to you very soon.